If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at 25 through 37. And we're going to be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's interesting, as we've been going through the parables, one thing we talk about one week may apply to the next week, and we see how it all sort of ties together. And as I was preparing for this one, I think it was Jeff that said it last week, there's never a bad time to do a good thing, something along those lines. And that's, that's what we're going to see this morning, um, even though it was made in the context of last week's lesson, it very much applies to what we're going to be talking about today. So I'll read through it one time just as a way of introduction, and then we'll come back and discuss it. So Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will when I come, again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, and he said, He who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So, honestly, this text here is very self-explanatory. Probably could just stop there, and you would understand a bit of what it's saying, but there's some good interesting points I think we can bring out as we go through this. And I think the first thing on several occasions as we look through the New Testament, and we'll look at two examples here, we can see that Jesus was, was asked a question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And just to look at a couple of examples real quick before we get in our lesson, uh, Scott, you want to read Matthew 19, 16 through 22? And Janice, I'll pick on you, Matthew twenty-two thirty-five through 40. Okay, so like, what we can see here is somebody asking a question of Jesus, what he needs to do for eternal life. And kind of what we see here, um, if you look at verse 16, it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what, sh what good things shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's kind of leading to what can I do to earn it, right? And that's what what is kind of 
uh, led there to believe in the motive, but it's the follow-up question that is asked that, that caused trouble, and we can see that his possessions meant to, more to him than, than that eternal life. And we're going to see that it's sometimes the follow-up questions as we go through these lessons that, that bring out some interesting points. And quickly, let's look at uh, Matthew 22, 35 through 40, and it'll help, help set the tone to uh, today's lesson. Okay, so two examples there of Jesus being asked about um, eternal life. So if we go back to our lesson today in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, we can, say, we can see, just like in the second reading here, that it was a lawyer that raised a question today um, in today's parable. So let's look at uh, I lost my, verse 25, Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I think it's interesting here because what it does is point to the motives. Um, it says he tested him, so he was testing Jesus. And again, it kind of leads to what can I do to get eternal life? It's kind of what what act or what one thing can I do to to earn my salvation? And it's interesting because he was a lawyer. He should have been very schooled and very not knowledgeable in the law. And, um, I mean, that was what he was supposed to uphold. And uh, he, he should know that. So and because of that, it's interesting that Jesus, when he asked a question of him, flipped it right back around and asked two questions of the lawyer. He says in verse 26, and he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he turns around and asks a question, and it's interesting, the lawyer was ready. He answered right off the bat. He replied by citing uh, two scriptures. And let's, uh, Jim, if you don't mind reading Deuteronomy uh, 6, 5, and then Julie Leviticus 19, 18. So we'll see how he answered by quoting scripture here. Okay, and then Julie Leviticus 19, 18. Okay. So that's going to sound pretty familiar here when I read verse 27. It says, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So then we can see in verse 28 that Jesus endorsed the answer that was given to him by the lawyer. He said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. I think it's interesting there he's talking about he will live. He's not talking about living physically, is he? Talking about living spiritually, talking about what can he do to get that eternal life. And so he's telling them to do these things to live spiritually. Any questions or comments up to this point? Oh, the, what Scott read? Well, I was just passing through it just to, as an introduction to say we can see a couple of occasions where Jesus was asked uh, what he must do to inherit eternal life. Well, you have some questions about it? or? Well, I think, you know, Jesus and him asking that question knew his motive, knew his heart, so he followed back up with that to, to prove that to him, that there was something that, that, that stood in the way of him and his salvation. 
Yeah, but uh, I think too when he's the, the the other part of his question, what do I still like? I think that's where it drives at home. You know, and that's where it was pointing out to him. Jesus said to him, "If if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me." And we're going to see even that come out as we keep going through the lesson as we talk about a priest and a Levite. I'm sure did a lot of good things in their life, a lot of things, but we're going to see there was something lacking. So, again, that's going to be brought out as we keep going through the lesson here. Uh, Yes. Well, and another thing, too, we knew that nobody could keep the law perfectly. Only one man did, which Jesus Christ. So there was really nobody that could be justified by the law because nobody could keep the law and keep it perfectly. Sixteen Matthew nineteen sixteen through 22 is what was read. But also, it's that man saying that he's kept them, not Jesus saying that he kept him. Well, I don't think, I think if we read the Bible, nobody kept the law and kept it perfectly. And that's basically what's being uh, stated here was keeping the law. Yeah, and that's going to, like as we keep going here, that's what we're going to see come out today. Um, it's not about just going to worship, keeping the worship, and forgetting about everything else. It's having mercy, it's having mercy, it's having humanity, uh, the you know, love for humanity, and that's what we'll see as we keep going here. So it all it is all pointing back to a heart condition and, and knowing Jesus, knowing our heart. And because he, I think, knew the hearts in these examples, that's what he's trying to point out in leading him to that and then asking the questions that he asked is pointing to their heart condition. So, again, we can see in verse 29, but he, but he um, talking about the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And that's in Luke 10, 29. So we know to the Jew, the Gentile wasn't really a neighbor. Uh, to a Pharisee, a non-Pharisee really would be excluded. Um, so when you think about that question, and who is my neighbor? That's what this whole parable is based on that we're, we're about to talk about here. So let's look at verse 30. It says, And then Jesus answered and said to him, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So... Interesting thing here, when it says that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he literally went down. Because um, from what I understand, if you were to take Jerusalem, it's set up on, on mounts, on mountains, and it was about roughly 2,400 feet above sea level. And when you take the road that went down to Jericho, from what I've read, it's about 17 to 20 miles long, and it's not a good road. It's um, a lot of rocks, a lot of uh, sharp or a lot of uh, steep paths going down. And it was a place that harbored a lot of thieves. And in fact, it was called the Bloody Way in certain areas because where people were actually uh, uh, robbed or killed or whatever, they said that there was a lot of blood stain in that area. So in that, that section, it was, it was named the Bloody Way. So it wasn't a pleasant path to be taken or road to be taken Um, so it was a tough 17 or 20 miles 
And um, from what I understand from the reading that I was doing, that it would have been, they would have come down from about where the Mount of Olives would have been as they went down to uh, to Jericho. That's where physically that, that road would have been located. But it says in Ruth, in verse 30, that, that he did fall among robbers who stripped him and beat, beat him, leaving him near death. And it says first, in verse 31, now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So if he was a priest, that means he would have been of the tribe of what? Levi, which meant he would have been a descendant of Aaron. And if that's the case, he would have officiated in worship ceremonies in, in the temple and also performed other uh, secondary tasks for the temple services. So one would assume that this would have been a man of true religion, right? He, he, would, have, he would have had a good, compassionate heart. And then we get down to verse 32. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So again, um, a Levite. So if you were a Levite and not a priest, from what I understand, and we'll, we'll read a, well, Stace, I'm going to put you on the spot. Read First Chronicles 23, 24 through 32 for me. We can see that Levites, Levites that were not a priest served as assistants to the priest in many functions of the temple service. So again, you have a guy that's a priest, you have a guy that's an assistant to him walking by a man who's left for dead. So First Chronicles 23, 24 through 32. Okay, so we have a priest who's a servant of God. We have a Levite, and we can see if they're 20 years old and up, they were to be assistants. They would have been very much involved. So you would think by their occupation that they would recognize the claims of God. But what they did, if we were talking about the claim of humanity a few minutes ago, that's what they failed to recognize, um, even though they, they should have been in a position to do so. Let's quickly look at Matthew 12, 9 through 13. Matthew 12, 9 through 13, it says, Now when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had, withered, who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that, that they might accuse him? Then he said to him, What man is there among you who has one sheep and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. So it kind of goes back to what I first said, where I think Jeff brought it out. There's never a bad time to do a good thing. And when you look at this, they may have been on their way to worship uh, to the temple or whatever, but that's what it's saying is we can't always let the rituals of going through the motions um, stop us from doing the right thing. I'm sure if we were coming the, the services this morning and a car accident happened right in front of us and if there was a need, I would want to think that we would stop and help. And I would think in that case, I mean, we wouldn't just drive on and say, I'm sorry about your luck, but i got to go worship the Lord. You know, 
but it doesn't make sense, does it? And that, that's exactly what pretty much has happened here. They're walking right past somebody in need saying, sorry about your luck, but I got to go worship. I got to go worship the Lord. So I think there's a lesson in that for all of us. It's not about just carrying out, coming here, going through Bible study, going through the acts of worship on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and then, hey, I've, I've checked off my box, and I'm good for the rest of the week. That's not what it's all about. And I think it's, it's all going back to that heart condition that we're trying to, to point out and talk about here. Yes. Yeah, we don't want to be that that one that's pointed out as being weird in the office or whatever to say, here he comes again. Let's go the other direction. He's going to start talking about church. And it's tough, too, because, you know, and I guess I was thinking about this as I was reading through this. We had a situation where somebody come in not that long ago and wanted some financial assistance, okay? And they were saying, okay, we're here. We don't have gas money. We're on our way back back to Alabama or somewhere and uh can you help us out and this is this was actually I think a couple of weeks before we had our special contribution and um you know I pretty much told him look you know we're we're struggling financially right now let me I don't know as a congregation that we can help but let's let's, let me talk to a couple of guys and let's see what we can do and so we were going to one of the one person was offered to offer up some money to help them a little bit and we thought they were going to stay for services and they they said well no I don't know what the other guys got going on so uh we're not going to stay but what time is service is over and and, and we'll come back so they don't have gas and I, I don't want to judge anybody but this this is where it makes it tough right so they don't have gas money but they to go to Alabama, but they got gas money to leave and come back, and they walk out, and they get in a fairly new Cadillac and drive off, and then they show show back up after services. You know, well, where where's my money? Okay, sort of got a problem with that. So you know, it's a, it's it's always a tough line, and 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 where do you help, and where are you just giving to somebody that that wants but is that not maybe actually in need for the right reasons, so to speak. So it is a tough line to, 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 to try to walk, and we are to be good stewards of God's money and what he has provided for us. It's a tough call. I guess any questions or comments on that because it's... So what I had made note of here is pretty much what has been brought out. Religion is more than worship. We must practice what we preach, you know, we're going to say it, we got to do it. But in verse 33, it says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So it's interesting that a Samaritan is being used as an example here because did the Jews and the Samaritans like each other? Did they get along? Not really. And uh, I did some reading back on that, and I guess... You know, for the sake of time, I don't know that I'll bring it all out today, but you can go back and I guess there's some varied opinions exactly what defined the Samaritan. Um, some think they were just Gentiles. Some, I guess, after the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., uh, thousands of Israelites were basically uh, displaced. 
and then they were brought in from Babylon. So in the time of the Israelites that had left, they basically intermarried with some foreigners. So it made the Samaritans more or less what the, the Israelites or the Jewish considered a mixed race. So they, they saw them as not equal. And, you know, that's, that, that just kind of raised a lot of, a lot of issues there. And there's some, some other things that go along with that. But basically because of that, and then some other things that, that happened, there was really not a good relationship there. So not only did he have compassion on him, but when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went and bandaged him, his wounds pouring on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he just didn't drop, drop him off at the, the door to the emergency room and saying, okay, I got you this far, you're on your own from here. He took care of him. He, he took him in and took care of him. And he took care of him overnight, and we know that because in verse 35 it says, On the next day when he departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So he's telling the innkeeper, Now that I'm leaving, I'm not going to put the financial burden on you. If you spend any more money on this on this guy, I'll pay you back. So he's really making sure the, the guy's going to be taken care of. Going to, I would say, compared to most of us, above and beyond the call of duty here to make sure that somebody who probably would not have liked him to begin with was taken care of. And I think that's a lesson in itself. It's easier to do good things for people that we like or we know that, hey, if I do this for them, I know down the road they're going to do this for me. But to do something for somebody that probably doesn't even like you, may or may, may, or may not even appreciate it, which I'm sure at this point in time in this situation he probably appreciated it, but it, it's a little tougher to do something for somebody like that, right? I think it is. Tougher for me anyway. So in verse 30. Six, and it's interesting how Jesus circled back and asked another question. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And in verse 37, the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So it's not about just carrying acts, carrying out the acts of worship as we can see here. It's about having mercy, mercy for mankind, mercy for humanity. Um, Chuck, I was trying to think, it just popped in my mind what he used to say. Something to the effect that if, if we're all Christians and we're, as a family, if somebody sneezes, we should all get sick, I believe is how he used to say it. And what he's basically saying is we should feel each other's pain. We should feel each other's hurt. We, this is a family. These are the people that we're going to spend eternity with sitting right around us right now. And so if there's a need, we should be willing to help one another. And I think that's, that's what it's saying. We should have mercy on one another. But it's even tougher when it takes it, like I said, to somebody that probably doesn't even like you, which is the case here because of the, uh, the Jews or the Israelites and the Samaritans. So in wrapping up here, eternal life comes not on the basis of a single act, but it's the result of God's grace from the true practice of religion. And let's look at James 
What does it profit, my brethren, if someone he says he if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So it's not just faith that can save us. It's not just works that can save us. It's a faith that produces works. Because when you have a faith that produces works, it goes right back to having that right heart condition. We're not going to always get everything right. We're not going to be able to keep the law perfectly. We are going to sin. But if we have a heart that is compassionate about religion, compassionate about the God that we serve, we're going to seek forgiveness when we do those things in error. But it is going to be a faith that produces works. So we are going to be looking for those opportunities where we can help one another. One of the, uh, or actually was brought out in a couple of the commentaries I read, it says this parable represents three philosophies in life. And I thought that these were pretty interesting. It says some practice the iron rule. And this is talking more about the thieves, which suggests might makes right. Might makes right. This is to say, what is thine is mine, and I'm going to take it. And that's exactly what the robbers did, right? Might makes right. The second one says, or is the silver rule, and it says, look out for self. Let the other fellow take care of his own concern. And this was reflected by the disposition of the priest and the Levite as they passed by on the other side. So... More or less, it's saying what is mine is mine, and I'll keep it. So, But then you got the ideal philosophy of life, which is the golden rule. And the good Samaritan puts someone else's needs ahead of his own, and that is to say what is mine is thine. You can have it if you need it more than I do. So three, I thought, interesting ways of putting uh, life's philosophies out there. So each of us must choose in many situations in life which of these philosophies we'll practice. So it's up to each and every one of us to examine our own hearts, uh, to reflect on what God has told us, and to choose the path that we'll take. So any other questions or comments as we finish up here? Okay, that is it.